0: Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: In a time when fertility issues are on the rise, I invited Dr. Sheila a family doctor at St. Michael's Hospital and the medical director of primary care outreach at Women's College Hospital in Toronto to speak with us today. She has years of experience helping women conceive and even became a patient herself when she went through infertility treatments before welcoming her beautiful baby girl this summer. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. And welcome, Sheila. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your journey from fertility doctor to patient.
2: So I'm a family doctor, and I work very regularly with women's health as my area of interest. And so I work with women every day around not trying to get pregnant, trying to get pregnant, and through their pregnancies as well, to delivery. And so ourselves, when we, my husband and I got married about five years ago, well, actually now six years ago, and we wanted to like spend some time together and just get to know each other more as a couple before pursuing children. And when we did, it actually came to be known that we, we were struggling to actually get pregnant. So we kind of took it easy initially, and we were doing the normal things that we would do to get pregnant. But a year into our journey of trying, um, we decided to get some help and to go get some support from a fertility clinic ourselves. Were you all
1: stressed out
2: yeah. in the meanwhile? absolutely, because you... I didn't. We didn't think it would be an issue. We thought it would be fairly straightforward. Both of us are healthy. We don't have any issues. We've never had any issues with our, never had surgery or any other problems reproductively. Um, and so we thought, well, it shouldn't be an issue. But when it was, and I've seen my patients go through this and seen how stressful it could be, um, when it becomes your own story, it becomes very difficult. How long did it take for you to actually conceive? So it took us four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. It is a long time. And it was really... Very difficult because as a doctor, I would refer my patients and kind of send them off into this now we refer to as this black hole of the fertility world where we don't know where we're sending our patients to And i had no idea how difficult it was and i had no idea the time it would take the financial investment the emotional investment the physical investment and the toll it takes on your relationship as well mm-hmm. no idea and i didn't I, th- I feel now looking back that i did a service to my own patients because i wasn't able to guide them as well as i yeah now, can. now you're relatable right absolutely yeah. and you know it makes a huge difference i think to help guide them
1: and what are some of the symptoms of infertility
2: in females? So, in women, infertility basically we get, we diagnose it if people have been trying to get pregnant for a year and they aren't able to conceive, and that's for people who are under the age of thirty-five. Over thirty-five, we see it as. Uh, six months of trying. And is this COVID. like
1: tr- trying like every night or is there a specific time of the so month un- to try? unprotected intercourse over the time that you're most fertile. And, and can you only be
2: fertile within like a week of out of a month? So generally, yes. Yeah. Okay. So about the if you have a period that's 28 days, let's say it's it's. 14 days before your period starts is when we say that you're most fertile, your ovulation time when you're releasing an egg, and that's when you're most fertile and you're able to conceive. And there's a few days before and a few days after that you could be um, able to conceive. And so what are some other symptoms? So some other symptoms of infertility, uh, mostly is that you can't conceive. There are some certain conditions that can predispose you to infertility. So some people, most people have irregular periods. So they may not get periods regularly every month. They may get one every three or four months, or they may not get them at all. Um, sometimes with those conditions, they can get excessive hair growth or acne, because that's an indication that the hormones are thrown off Really? Of I've it. never
1: heard of that. Okay. Yeah,
2: so that's a common reason why. So those are some other clues towards infertility, but really the main symptom is that you can't get pregnant. So I always
1: thought that I was uh, infertile, but I didn't have any of those symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't have but any symptoms. But I never symptoms. went to check it out. I just thought, you know what? If it was meant to be, it'd be. And if, it, if it's not meant right. to be, then I'm just not meant to have kids, yeah. I guess. But Most yeah. people don't have any symptoms at all. We need to take a break. Uh, you're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We're talking about fertility today. We'll be right back.
0: listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Hey, we're back. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta. Today, we're joined by Dr. Sheila, and we're talking about conceiving and fertility. She has years of experience helping women conceive. So welcome back. What are some of the common causes of fertility problems? Can fertility be prevented?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So, I, so when we look at infertility, we look at male prop, male issues, female issues, and then sort of the broad category of both, because mm-hmm. often people have more than one reason why they're dealing with fertility. Uh, so, when we look at women, the main there's three main reasons why women can't conceive, and one is the main re- reason is that they're not ovulating. So, ovulation is a process when we release an egg every month to release it into the uterus and hopefully that'll connect with the sperm and that leads to pregnancy. And that's the main reason why women don't conceive is, is that they have a hormonal issue that causes them not to be able to release an egg or some other reason along those lines. The second reason why women don't conceive is structural issues. So either they have an issue with the tubes and so the, the path that the eggs take to get to the uterus is blocked either because of infection or endometriosis which is a common um, menstrual issue which causes a lot of pelvic pain. It can lead to scarring of the of the tubes, or issues in the uterus itself, like fibroids, which are benign growths that can block and impede the egg, the embryo implanting into the uterus. And the final reason is that we actually don't know. It's called unexplained fertility, and we don't have a reason why, but often it's probably due to egg quality, and that often is related to, as we age, those things can change for women. So is that something that's hereditary? So there are a few things that can be related to uh, to genetics. So endometriosis, that that medical condition can be um, passed between family members. Ovulation may be as well. So issues around ovulation and specifically there's a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome Mm -hmm. where we produce a lot of eggs, Mm -hmm. but those eggs are not mature and they're not released every month. So women will present with irregular cycles.
1: Now, how about outside factors like the ones that we inflict on ourselves, like too much drug use and alcohol? I heard that. That affects yeah. infertility.
2: Well, yeah, that's a that's a great point. So we know that smoking can affect fertility in men and women and sort of egg quality and sperm quality. Uh, there's some thought that marijuana can also affect sperm quality as well in terms of... Now, is that temporary? Yes. Or is it long term? No, it's ne- it can be temporary. Because so I thought, know
1: a lot of guys that smoke marijuana and then, you know, they have still lots have of lots of babies. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's it's tougher. So does it just affect the woman or the man too? It can affect both. Okay. And so, and then the the other piece is like temperature. So hot tubs and tight pants and tight underwear. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Tight pants. Yeah. I, I always wear tight pants. <laughs> but mostly in men. because okay. So that's a oh, male not in issue. Women. No, not so much for women because our organs are inside. But for men, the testicles are outside and they're kept at a cooler temperature. And that's okay. purposeful. That's very interesting. Yeah, so that's All a right. purposeful thing. So in men, there's the main reason why men can't get pregnant. It is a sperm issue due to the sperm being too slow being abnormally yeah. shaped not working well and so that's a common reason and those are some of the lifestyle factors that you mentioned so having the,
1: lying on the bed and having to pull up your zipper with like a, a, a <laughs> coat hanger that doesn't you know not for women Okay, maybe in men <laughs> Okay. Now, more and more people are waiting to have kids. Mm-hmm. So, how does age play a factor when it comes to infertility?
2: Age is probably one of the biggest reasons why we're seeing such a decline in fertility rates mm-hmm. is because most people are are as we mentioned delaying fertility and delaying having a family. And we know sort of the best time to have kids for women is 20 to 24. That's your peak fertility but that's time. That's just not happening anymore. No, and and there's reasons for that. There's good reasons for that. There's really great birth control. We want to have our careers, and, and really and we want to have our educations and stuff things have changed but that is a peak time that we're most fertile so 20 to 24 yes okay but the reality is, is that most of us wait now how and about younger than that yeah you are fertile during that time too okay. but everything sort of takes some time to kind of get like the cycles take a little bit of time to get into their rhythm and so often in our teenage years our cycles are still irregular and we may not be ovulating all the time but we know that by the 20s we're kicking in and we're able to to ovulate well so that's why we see that. now
1: how about having too many abortions does that affect your chances no, of getting pregnant because in high school i had a friend i think had four abortions yes
2: yeah no <laughs> we You're know, know looking that it at hasn't. me in
1: shock true true story no so and she still went on to have two and, yeah. babies but she was always afraid of that she's she thought you know what i ruined my life
2: never gonna be able to
1: have kids again so that's not a factor
2: no and there's so much shame that comes with that for people and they worry about that but that's not a factor and birth control is not a factor either so some people worry that if they're on the pill for a long time in many many years they worry about their ability to actually have kids and no that's not a factor either
1: this this is a great show because you're giving us a lot of really great information here Yeah. yeah Um. so what are the dangers of having a baby at an older age
2: so Having a baby at an older age carries a number of risks. So we know that in women who are over 35 and more over 40 is where we're looking at older age. Um, we worry about things like high blood pressure, risk of diabetes. There's other medical issues that come up in pregnancy. Does
1: autism come into play? No. No.
2: No. But we know that after forty, our eggs become they become less in number and they can become more abnormal. So after forty, that's the issue in that you can have more developmental issues and chromosome issues with the eggs.
1: But there is a good chance that you can still have a healthy baby. There is a chance over the age of forty. Yeah, but it is. How about the over over the age of fifty?
2: Oh, that that's very rare. Is it?
1: Yeah. Well, there was a lady in India that had a baby recently. She was like 70-something. Yeah, so they Was that fake news? No,
2: that was… That was real. They used IVF techniques for that and I believe they used an egg donor in that situation. so… Does that make a difference? It does make a difference. So they would use a young egg and then implant that into her. So it wasn't her baby, really? That she carried it, okay, but she it was in terms okay. of genetically, it was probably somebody else. Oh, okay. They may have used her partner's sperm. I'm not sure about that, but uh, now I know. Yeah. All right, we need
1: to take a break. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, it's 40 Toronto.
0: back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
1: Here tuned into the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta of singleinthecity.ca. My guest today is Dr. Sheila. We're talking about conceiving and fertility. Dr. Sheila, what are the treatments people can try before choosing assisted reproductive techniques?
2: So the first thing I work with my patients about is saying make sure you're having sex at the right time and you're not using condoms. Condoms. Like, so many Who people the heck use condoms. condoms. It's amazing to me. Like they're Why like, we're having sex. To... No, come on. But it does happen sometimes, and I say, well, first take that <laughs> off, and then see if that will work. <laughs> and that seems to actually do the trick sometimes. Everyone's laughing in the back. But it's pretty. It, that is one thing. And we I don't. We sometimes get so caught up in trying to get pregnant that we forget some of those basics. So. So but. one is not, not to use protection during that time. Yes. One is to be careful with the lubrication you're using because sometimes lubrication can interfere with the sperm being able to travel into the uterus and, and, and help with conception. Um, and so the other, And the other piece is timing. So time out sex. And so it becomes a bit of a chore sometimes, but if you are trying to get pregnant, it's important to know when you're ovulating. and you can use ovulation kits. There's sticks that you can buy online and you pee on it and it tells you when you're about to ovulate, and that's when you should time sex and so there are things that you can do naturally at home you can do lifestyle things like not wearing tight pants like we're talking about not going to the hot tub too much um and those sorts of things and then after that if you're not ovulating we have medications that we can use before we get into the more invasive techniques that can help stimulate production of eggs and help you release more eggs so there's more targets for the sperm to very
1: interesting how about positions yeah, that's a great and one.
2: Yeah. No, there's no Keeping position. the
1: sperm in there longer. Is that true or is that a myth? That's a myth too.
2: Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we all did it. I did it. I, <laughs> even though I knew it was a myth, we would throw on my legs up and keep them up for half an hour and <laughs> you'd be an like, an this hour. is going to work, right? And you lose circulation You're like, to can, your legs. you can you get me myths. a tea, please? Right? Exactly. Here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, doesn't help, but it doesn't hurt. But there's no truth to actually throwing your legs up or crossing your legs after sex or any of those things. And position doesn't really matter. A lot of people are like, oh, I swear happen when I did it this way or when I did it missionary or otherwise but really it, it doesn't matter this sperm is going to go and if it's fast enough and can swim it'll get to the right place. Okay, now after treatments it's it's very common
1: to see someone have twins or multiple births tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, so after the You see that often. We do now, much more often we see twins and triplets and it's it's really interesting to see then the rates of twin pregnancies and triplets and quadruplets went up drastically after IVF and and the techniques that we use because often what we're doing is we're putting in more than one embryo in to see if we can increase the, the chance of one pregnancy but often then we end up with two or three and so that itself has and what are increased. the reactions
1: of your clients when you when they have three? Oh, oh. <laughs> are they in shock and like oh i it's put one rare. back put one
2: back well it's very rare for for them to get do that now so okay. for when fertility clinics see my patients they actually usually only put in one or two i call max. them clients i guess they're That's not okay. clients they're patients That's okay. That's okay. I but, have clients, but yes. you have patients. Yes. Okay. But we try actually, twin pregnancies and triplet pregnancies are, are dangerous. Like they are higher risk pregnancies because there's not as much space inside the womb to grow. And so babies are often delivered early so they can be premature. And so we try to actually, when we my patients see fertility docs, they usually only put in one unless there's a reason um, to put in two. What are some of the success rates for fertility treatments? So there's different types of treatments that we offer. So the when a patient goes to a fertility clinic, they often will start with something called IUI. It's less invasive. It's intrauterine uh, injection where basically you are guiding the sperm into the uterus with a catheter. And there's nothing done, no surgery done at all. It's quite, it's, a, it's minimally invasive. It feels like a bit of a longer pap test. And so the sperm goes in. And that has about a 12 to 15% chance of success. IVF, which is in vitro fertilization, which is a more invasive process where we stimulate the ovaries and we retrieve the eggs, we harvest the eggs, and then outside of the body we put the sperm and egg together and then put that back into the uterus. That has a higher success rate because we know that we're putting in something that is a sperm and egg connected, an embryo. And what is the success rate? And that rate is about forty to sixty percent. Wow. As we get older, that those rates decrease. But it also costs about
1: ten thousand dollars, right? right? Ten to twenty thousand dollars. And it's a one-shot deal, isn't it? Because I I I have have a friend that did it. And I think she had to do it about three times. And she actually did get twins out of it.
2: Oh, did she? Yeah. We had to go through it twice ourselves. And so the, the, the first part is harvesting the eggs. And then the next part is putting it back in. And depending how many eggs you get, it'll depend on how many cycles you go through. So some people get eight to 12 eggs or even more, and they will develop into embryos. And they'll have that many chances to kind of get pregnant. We didn't have as much of a success rate with our numbers. And we would have two at the end of a cycle. And so we'd have two cycles to try.
1: That has to be really disappointing.
2: It is. And you go online, and I know not to Google. like All of my patients Google, and they come in and ask me all these questions about everything on Google, Dr. Google. And I say, don't do that. But I was Googling all the time, too, because I needed to get some reassurance that there would be success rates with the small numbers that we were getting.
1: That must have affected your job, too, at that time. Yeah. You know, yeah,
2: it was hard, especially I, if you wear your emotions on your sleeve, like I do, and I do too. Yeah, yeah. so
1: your client or your well, be, patients would come uh, in, and
2: yeah, life, and i would become very wrong? open with my patients about it. Usually, that time is reserved for them, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't share very much about my own personal life. But when I was working with patients who had gone to fertility clinics and were going through that process, I was I actually started sharing our story because people feel really alone when they're going through it, and I found that by sharing, they felt less alone, and we were able to talk, and they could feel like they could come to a safe place to be able to discuss their concerns
1: we need to take a break thank you for this great information you're listening to the dating and relationship show on global news radio 640 toronto we'll be back
0: show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: It's Sunday night. Thanks for tuning in to the Dating and Relationship Show. We're talking about conceiving and fertility with Dr. Sheila. She is a family doctor here in Toronto. Thanks for joining us. I want to talk about um, relationships now Mm. and how not being able to conceive can affect your relationship. So, what do you suggest if couples start to feel negatively towards each other
2: so fertility can have a huge toll on relationships and it's, i've seen it's it happen amazing and you know, i remember we and for us too like we we went through our own struggles with it and when you have a failed cycle and you get that call and you just feel depleted and we create these narratives in our mind about what our relationships going to be and what our family life is going to be and we put a lot of hope on that and so when that doesn't come through you tend, it can really affect the relationship and, and start to like erode the relationship as well. And so I often talk to my patients, and it's, it's, very, it's an important thing to consider because we know that when people don't conceive and they go through fertility treatment and they have failed cycles, they have a higher risk of separation and divorce. And so it's really important to Have me- you seen it happen yeah, a lot? Yeah. Yeah. It happens.
1: Is it almost like they're putting blame on the other person?
2: And on themselves. And so there's a lot of shame associated with fertility and a feeling that your body has failed you or your partner's body has failed your relationship. And that that creates a huge weight.
1: And unfortunately, a lot of people get married just to have children, yeah.
2: right? Yeah. And then we have that hope that that's going to happen. And when it doesn't, the foundation is built on, I'm going to have kids and this is what our family life is going to be like. So you really have to start to consider... Is there, how can we work on our relationship? Because what if we don't have kids? And so we talked to, I talked to my patients about. Yeah, this is important. Where do we get, go back to that piece? And every month when you're trying and every month that you're going through treatment, it feels like I have to do this month. This is a vital month. But sometimes I suggest, you know, maybe it's okay to take a little break from this and step back and focus on each other. Because ultimately, in parenting, in mm-hmm. relationships, through pregnancy or not getting pregnant, you have to go back to the core of. That partnership. So, how did you keep your relationship strong when you were going through this? So, communication was really key. Where we we had to talk about how we were feeling. How if there was anger that came up, or there was resentment, or anything else, we had a bit of a policy of of having, we call them trigger talks, where once a week we'd sit down and be like, "This is what's really upsetting me. This is what's really bothering me about us." And it was in a safe space where it wasn't when we were actually feeling it and really angry, but we sort of reserved a space once a week. And it sounds like a a bad date night, but it's actually a time where we were able to actually just be like, "This makes me angry. This is everything I don't like right now." And then we would focus because when you're angry and in that moment where you're feeling emotional, or you get that call that says you, your cycle didn't work, and mm-hmm. that's not the time that we could really not be emotional, and we couldn't communicate very well at that time. So we reserve these times during our week to be able to check in and do that, and it helped because that was one of the reasons why I feel like we were able to get through it. And fertility will either make you stronger or, or destroy a relationship sometimes.
1: Now, how about, I've heard sometimes when people take a break from it, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they get Mm -hmm. pregnant, Mm -hmm. or they don't think they can get pregnant, and then they adopt a child, and then, you know, a few years down the line, it's like, we're pregnant. Yeah, it's amazing. That does happen, and that's
2: one of the, people always give advice. Is that because of less stress? I mean, you know, people get pregnant in the most stressful life circumstances in refugee camps and other places, so stress does certainly play a role, Um, but it's hard to sort of quantify that and say, why but it might be a place where you're relaxed you're able to to sort of go through that process but we don't know exactly how that affects it but yeah that's a great thought but (laughs) it does happen all the time people go on holiday and they get pregnant
1: yeah now do you think women surrounded by friends that are pregnant take it harder and what are the negative repercussions
2: it can be really hard when you're invited to like baby showers or you've so when we started trying four of our friends were trying at the exact same time and I, in my head, was like, oh, man, we're going to be the one. And for some reason, I just, like, had this weird feeling. And we were the ones that didn't get pregnant really quickly. And everybody else got pregnant within three to four months of trying. And I remember being super excited for everybody, but also sad that we weren't able to experience that. And so it does take its toll on relationships. I feel like you can just isolate. You may see changes in circles of friends as a result. Um, and it's, it's very difficult. And I think my advice is, feel what you're feeling and it's okay to be honest and those friends of, of yours but that don't are good be friends, envious yeah it's it's hard not to be but yeah I know that that's it's, it's better to come from a place of okay this I'm happy for them but if you need to take some time from that group or maybe not I'd go to that baby shower that's okay and your friends will understand that hmm and okay so in North America more
1: men age 18 to 45 have infertility than diabetes mm-hmm. And 13% of women age 18 to 29 are experiencing fertility issues. So how does infertility affect men compared to women and vice versa?
2: So men and women react differently to every sort of life circumstance. Women tend to have more support around them. They're able to sort of talk to their girlfriends a little bit more easily. Men tend to isolate themselves sometimes or not talk about it, especially when it comes to sperm issues or otherwise if the issue is a male infertility issue it can carry a lot of shame so they don't always talk about it as much and so I found out for ourselves too I had a lot of support I had a ton my girlfriends were there for me they were they knew that what was going on and they were able to talk to me my husband's friends did open up to him and actually shared with them that they also had issues but it was only several months or maybe a year into it that he was able to actually bring it up with his friends and I was his main support for that initial part and so I feel like men and women relate to things differently and are, are able to sort of process things differently and and it can be quite a challenge sometimes for both sides but especially for men because they are often isolated in the situation
1: well we need to take a break but we're going to come back to talking about this men and their fertility issues you're listening to global news radio 640 toronto the dating and relationship show
0: to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
1: Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta. In studio today, we have Dr. Sheila. She is a family doctor here in Toronto, and we're talking about conceiving and fertility. And now uh, we're, well, before the break, we were talking about men and uh, the issues they may have with fertility. So I want to continue with that. Now, society tends to look at infertility as a woman's problem, right? Um, Even though in 10% of North American couples, men have the fertility issue as well. What can you tell us about this?
2: So it's actually higher in men. It's it's about Twenty to thirty percent wow, of, is okay. actually related Stats to wrong. male. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, and so I think that women bear a lot of the burden of it because we're the ones that get our periods, and so we are following our cycles more, and we're very much more aware um, of what's going on with our periods and when we're pregnant, when we're when we're fertile, uh, and so that responsibility falls on us quite a bit more. And I feel like then that carry we carry a bit more of that burden, um, and so that is a bit of an issue. And so when, and we also go to the doctor more. We get our paps done. We are always at the doctor. we definitely go to the doctor doctor more. So that's a big piece. You need to pull guys to the doctor. Absolutely. Generally, in my family practice, often men will come in, but it's because, oh, my wife told me to come in for this issue or... Whatever issue it is, and especially if it has to do with our reproductive organs, that is not a something. Do you that think that's like why men about. generally
1: die younger because they don't go
2: to the doctor? It could be very much related. Yeah, and it's one it's of the reasons, fascinating, right? Absolutely. And so, I always get these. Do- I call them doorknob questions in my office, where I've someone's come in for for an appointment, <laughs> and they're sort of like talking to me about something so benign I'm like why did you actually come in to see me and they're they're talking around the issue and then as they're <laughs> leaving the door and they touch the doorknob they're like actually Dr. Sheila what I wanted to talk to you was about my We haven't been able to get pregnant, and I need to check my sperm, whatever it is. And there's a lot of shame. Yeah, there's a lot of, and so it's interesting because we tend to like skim over these issues, and we need to be. I we need to do a better job in in the medical profession of actually talking about conception and about about pregnancy and fertility with all of our patients, um, to make it more of a normalized experience for people.
1: Now, what if both male and female have fertility issues? What are the chances of conceiving? Have you seen this?
2: Yeah. I mean, often in fertility, with fertility, that would be, hard. It's, that would be very difficult. But the, the good news is that once we identify something is going on, so is it, there too, is it because in the woman the tubes are blocked? Can we bypass the tubes and go straight to the uterus with IVF? Because we basically implant directly and we don't need the tubes to function at that point. Is it, If it's a male factor, is it because they're slower, s- slower and fast swimmers in the in the pool? And so maybe we just spin the sperm down and we get the fastest swimmers. How do you swimmers. do that? That's They have a centrifuge. They have this cool machine that basically spins it down and you get the fastest swimmers out. And then th- that's what you use to put into the uterus. And then you have the fastest swimmers to get to the egg. And so there are techniques. So even though it may feel very hopeless to have an issue with fertility, but once we find an issue, we can actually try to correct it. It's the situations where we don't have an, a reason, which is pretty common. Twenty to thirty percent of of fertility is related to unexplained reasons. That's when it can become very difficult to actually conceive, and we may need to do more invasive techniques. Now, are frozen eggs
1: um, or sperm banks, frozen egg or sperm banks, ever a good, you know, precautionary
2: option to hold the young eggs? Yeah, so that's a, so really, it's very interesting. So in the past. Or, Initially, when we were started, when we offer freezing of the eggs or freezing of sperm, it was specifically done for medical reasons. So it was done because somebody has been diagnosed with cancer and they're going to have radiation treatment of the of the pelvic region, and that could affect their future fertility. And so, how about it was, aging too? So that's so now we do it for more what's called social reasons. Okay. In that, as we know that that women are and men are deferring pregnancy to later on due to career or otherwise. And they, Or perhaps the biggest reason why we see it is that they haven't met their partner that they, they want to start a family with. They're taking it into their own hands and saying, I'm going to freeze my eggs and I'm going to have them on ice mm-hmm. until we're ready. And so that is something that we can do and it's becoming more popular. And basically what we do is we put somebody through the same process that we do for IVF and we stimulate their their ovaries, we, we retrieve the eggs and then we freeze them. In the past, that technique of freezing was not great and we would lose a lot of those eggs in the process of thawing but now the technique is very good and so you can freeze an egg and then thaw it to use how long can they can eggs be frozen for they're frozen for as long as you need them. So if you but, freeze them at like 40 and then you use them at 50. Yeah. So generally the age cutoff for freezing your eggs is 38 because we know that the further along okay. we get, as we get older, there are some higher risk of abnormalities. Okay. So those 38 eggs. and then you use them at 50. Possible? It is possible. It's harder at 50 to maintain a pregnancy okay. because we're getting closer to we're at menopause, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And so for, for the uterus to sustain the pregnancy, you'd have to have a lot of medication. And then there's higher risk pregnancies with that. So we tend to try to do use the eggs earlier. But it's not because the eggs can't be frozen for that long. It's more out of safety.
1: So today, women are encouraged to pursue career success, but then are shamed later in life for waiting too long if they don't conceive. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on this double standard?
2: I think it's it's really unfortunate. I think that we want to encourage women to be able to pursue careers and to pursue higher education and to do these things. But it, the reality is also that our fertility potential decreases as we get older. And so... In our practices in in medicine, we're taught to talk about this with our patients, but we're not told to really emphasize that aging does affect fertility. And I, prior to going through fertility treatment myself, I probably avoided talking about it because I didn't want to stop someone from going for their dreams and going for their career. But now I actually talk about it much earlier with my patients at younger ages. And I say, listen, if if having a family is something that you're interested in, it is something that may change as we get older. And I'm more direct.
1: And I think it depends on the doctor, because I saw a fertility doctor once, and she was just like, oh, don't worry about Mm -hmm. it, you have lots of time, there are so many women in their 40s having babies, and I'm like 42, she's like, no, older, I'm like 45, she's like, even older? Really? Yeah. Yeah. And she was just, her attitude was like, don't worry about it, just enjoy your life.
2: Yeah, and I think that we... We can. We should. We should emphasize that we we should live our lives and we should do that. But the reality is that it does get harder. And so, I think it's it's you've been through it, so you know. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We need to take a break.
1: You're listening to the dating and relationship show with Dr. Sheila and Laura here from Single in the City. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: I'm here with my real estate friend, Holly Garvey-Penny. What's up with HGP's tips and trends today? Hi, Sandra. Today's tip I'm calling Know What You Want and Get It.
0: Although the media today is talking about a market downturn, good properties are selling fast with interest from multiple buyers. In fact, I just experienced an offer night with seven bidders. So make sure you do your research,
1: know what you want and can afford, know what good value is and strategize with your realtor to get it. Call or email me today to do it. I can help you. They can reach you at hgp at estate or 416 or four one six three two two eight thousand. Thanks,
0: Sandra. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilata from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
1: And we're back. Thanks for tuning in to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellata. We have Dr. Sheila here. She's a Toronto family doctor. We're talking about conceiving and fertility. Dr. Sheila, you've been amazing today. Thank you so much. Uh, What is the best way, in your opinion, to support people going through fertility?
2: So that's a really important piece because going through fertility treatment can be so isolating, and you can feel really alone Mm -hmm. when you're going through it. And so I've never gone through it, so I don't know, but I can imagine. But you you may know people who have. uh, Yes, exactly. And so, but it's very hard to know how to support people because you don't want to say the wrong thing, and you don't want to offend because one, we're jacked up on hormones, and so you so you're we're super sensitive. But then also, you're super vulnerable. But it's so important to have a group of friends around you or family or in support. And so the best thing I would say is you don't actually have to say anything, it's just your presence. So my friends would know when we were going through a cycle, and they'd know when we were about to go through a retrieval, and we have a week of waiting where they call you every day and they tell you. You have this many eggs left today, and in two days, you have this many eggs left. and It's the worst week because you're sitting there by the phone in the morning and waiting for this news. Do so you get any sleep during, during the week? Hardly, <laughs> hardly. And so, basically, you would, my friends would know this and they put it into their calendars and they would just do a check in text. And it didn't mean that they had to say anything, but it was just like, we know you're, how are you doing? And how did they way? know to do that? So, I asked for that eventually okay. because I, I, I didn't, they so asked that of your ask friends. That of our friends. Yeah. Some people don't know how to ask for help when they're going through fertility treatment. And so I think just just to check in. Could I you imagine men? Well, exactly. Who never ask their friends anything? So my husband, now that he's gone through it, and we have a number of our friends who are going through it themselves, he makes a point to reach out to the male in the relationship if... if and, and just say, are you okay? What's going on? How can we help? Let's go for a beer. Let's just chat. So like get your mind off it. Because sometimes people will feel like we can't go for drinks when we're going through fertility treatment. We can't like socialize in the way that we normally do. So find something that you can do with those people who are going through it so that they don't feel so alone. So what are some of the worst things that
1: people have said to you when going through fertility treatments?
2: Yeah, a lot of times people are super well-intentioned, but people would say things like, just relax, Sheila. You are too stressed out. So go on holiday, go get drunk, go do something and just have sex randomly and then (laughs) you'll be fine. And so like, and it's so funny because you're like, well, we can't, we've thought about that, but it's not happening naturally. Like, mm-hmm. We need science now, right? This yeah. is not as easy as just relaxing. People would say, have you thought about adoption? And certainly those are things that we did think about as well. But when you're in the thick of it, it's not really what you need to hear other people saying. There was a lot of judgment around it. Um and so, again, it was, there's a number of things that people can say and, and can be quite harsh. And fertility can affect people after even having kids. So those who have had kids and then they're on to their second and they struggle to get pregnant a second time, that's also a form of infertility. And my patients have told me people tell them, well, just be happy that you have one. And that's also difficult to hear. And, and so that can be very unfair. So we're, <laughs> already judging our, we're already judging ourselves quite a bit when we're going through this process. And so to feel like someone else is judging us it makes it even harder.
1: Okay, so now what are your rights as a patient in terms of asking questions and or changing clinics, yeah, for example?
2: So, so when you go, when you're a patient, you're super vulnerable. And I didn't realize how vulnerable my patients were until we went through it ourselves. And the truth is that fertility world different from the rest of our healthcare system is mostly private because you're paying out of pocket for your medications you're paying out of pocket for some of the services and some of the tests that you're getting and the treatments that you're getting and so it's very important for you, you as a patient have a right to know what those costs are up front so research the clinics that you're going to Toronto has a number of fertility clinics they're all well well advertised on their websites what the costs are you can see what the costs are find out if you feel comfortable in the clinic because if you don't you have the right to ask for a second opinion or to change clinics. We personally changed clinics twice during our, our journey. Um, and that Why was, did you do that? So the first place that we had gone to felt very overcrowded for us, and it wasn't very comfortable. And there were certain errors made in our care where there was a medication error. And I was told, well, Sheila, you know, medication errors happen, you're a doctor. But when you are going through fertility treatment and you're given the wrong (laughs) dose of a medication, you feel like you have lost your one month of trying and you've invested in that time. And that was unacceptable to me. I, I know that medication errors happen, but... Acknowledging that is actually the first step. And you shouldn't be putting medication into your body that you don't need to be. Right. And so that happened. And so we lost trust. A lot of people change clinics because they've had failed cycles and they need a new start. And that's your right as a patient to be able to say, I need a new place to go. And you can go to your family doctor, talk to your doctor and get re-referred if that's the case. It's harder in places where it's difficult to find access. But in Toronto, we're really lucky because there are a number of clinics to go to. Dr.
1: Sheila, we ran out of time. But thank you so much for being here today. Though infertility is prevalent in our world today, there's always hope to start the family you've dreamed of. So, thank you, Dr. Sheila, for joining us today to discuss the challenges and also treatments available for couples to make the right choice when dealing with fertility issues. You can learn more about Dr. Sheila on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Dr. Sheila W and on CTV's The Social. Before you have the baby though, you've got to find someone to have a baby with. So you can check out my website, singleinthecity.ca and meet some great eligible singles in your city. Thank you everybody for tuning in and listening today. Have a great week. Ciao for now.